1: What is good, everybody? Welcome to the SB Nation NFL Show. I am Rob Stats guerrera and I am very pleased and privileged to be launching a new version of the Wednesday SB Nation NFL Show. I have two co-hosts, Justice Mosqueda from Acme Packing Company and, ooh, Niners Takeover here, Kyle Posey from Niners Nation. KP, gonna be running the world soon.
2: Long time no talk, man. It's been about, what, 38 minutes? <laughs> you know... Look,
1: when you cover one of the most interesting teams in the sport, that tends to happen. That's all I'm going to say. Also, have Steven Soda from Arrowhead Pride here behind the glass. This is going to be fun, guys, because we every week are going to bring you a big interview from around the sports world. And then all three of us get to chop it up afterwards, react to the interview, maybe counterbalance some of the narratives that are going on around the league. I know, Justice, that's kind of your specialty, I feel like. So, this is going to be a fun ride. I'm excited.
3: Sider bust the KP's balls every week. Justice, so. what is
1: your specialty? Actually,
3: what is it? Like, don't make it too loud. Don't let the bosses, <laughs> don't let the bosses. It's it's the like, what what would you say you really do around here? <laughs> that whole situation?
2: Special team snap count, guys.
3: <laughs> yeah, they want to know who, who plays guard and who plays tackle on putt team. I can let you know that. Outside of that, I'm pretty useless, but.
1: I wouldn't say that. Before we go any further, I want to remind you we are brought to you by DraftKings. The DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNFL only at DraftKings. All right. We are just one day away from actual real football. We're going to react or we're going to break down, I should say, Bills and Rams. But before we do, Let's get to our very special guest, because today on the show, we are going to talk to, I had the opportunity to catch up with, I should say, Mina Kimes from ESPN, and we'll let you hear some of that now. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the ESPN Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats guerrera and I am very pleased and privileged, because we are just one day away from the start of football season. I can taste it. We are so close i want to get a breakdown of obviously the rams and the bills and i am very pleased to be joined by from espn from the mina kimes show with lenny mina kimes
4: hi thank you for having me on
1: thank you for joining us you know i was debating whether or not i needed the from espn from the Kimes. like i could just say mina kimes i think you've reached the level where you don't need an introduction
4: well i appreciate you mentioning my show because we just uh expanded two times a week now so uh, all the help I can get getting the word out. I appreciate.
1: I think you're doing pretty well, Mina. Just, you know, general observation. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I have referred to you as the best NFL analyst on television. I really do believe that. So I wanted to get your take. Obviously, you know the Rams well, doing some of the analysis during the preseason for them and generally the NFL as well. Let's start with Buffalo mainly because I'm a Niner fan and I hate the Rams. Mm. I get, as a fan, I get agita a lot of times, especially when it comes to quarterback play. And I look at the Bills last year and I'm like, Josh Allen, you can't play any better than Josh Allen did in the playoffs last year. And they still didn't even make the conference title game. How can they be better this year?
4: I think if you look at some of the deliberate moves that they've made as opposed to deliberate moves, un- unintentional moves, but the moves <laughs> that they've made, it's a little redundant. Um, you can see uh, how the organization regarded their weaknesses, how they self scouted. There's obviously a concerted effort on their part to be a little bit more physical in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Um, some changes to the offensive line, on the interior. Uh, and then defensively uh, the biggest change being uh being bringing in of course Von Miller but also adding Tim Settle. Like this this it's not the only move that they made and i think that tells a pretty clear story which is um like a lot of teams in the NFL like a lot of high powered offenses the bills wanted a change up and similarly like a lot of defenses that have been built over the last 5 or 6 years to stop the pass they also want to be able to stop the run and you know get get to the quarterback with force so i think um they went into this season with an all-in attitude, but a very, very deliberate one.
1: Why doesn't Sean McDermott ever get mentioned when we talk about really good young football coaches? It's always Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur. Sean McDermott never gets any love. He's gone to the playoffs in four of his five years, and nobody did that with Buffalo before he got there.
4: That's a really good question. I mean, the easy answer is because he's defensive Um, And then I would say having a pretty well-known defensive coordinator in Leslie Frazier, not that Leslie Frazier is responsible for the defensive success, but I think sometimes when you have a young coach with an older coordinator, um, they get less, I don't know, accolades, but I would say probably just the fact that he doesn't coach the offense. And when we think about the Bills over the last couple of years, as good as their defense has been, um, so much of the attention has been on Josh Allen and his um unprecedented development that I think that kind of leaves McDermott out of the equation for some people.
1: When I first heard that the Rams were going to start the season against the Bills, I was like, man, who did they piss off in the NFL office? Like usually they give you a cupcake on Thursday, not a cupcake, but like it's more of a coronation on Thursday to open the season. Not for the Rams. Boom. Welcome Josh Allen and the Bills.
4: Well they have some some what of an advantage I would say, which is they get to play the Bills without Tredavious White, who is out the True. first four weeks of this season. So I have to think the Rams would rather play them now. Rather, I mean, it's the NFL. Who knows what's going to happen? You know, there's injury. And then the Rams have some guys come back from injury we can talk about as well. But I think the fact that the Bills go into this particular matchup with cornerback being such a question mark actually works in the Rams' favor.
1: The two biggest storylines that I feel like are not getting enough attention are, one, Tom Brady mysteriously leaving training camp for whatever reason, something that Mr. All-In Football Guy has never done in his career, but the second one is Matthew Stafford and his arm. This guy has thrown almost 7,000 passes in his NFL career. There's a lot of wear and tear on it, obviously. He's one of the toughest players in the league. He's taken a ton of punishment. Now he's got arm fatigue, essentially tendonitis, whatever you want to call it. Are we not making a big enough deal out of that?
4: You know, a lot of people, myself included, kind of raised their eyebrows when Sean McVay, when when the injury news first broke, and Sean McVay alluded it to being like a weird baseball type injury. Like you never want to hear first of all, weird or whatever he said. I can't remember the exact um, terminology, but baseball type is like right alarm bells. But the more the Rams spoke about it, the more we learned about it. Um, It seemed also plausible that uh, Matthew Stafford maybe taking it a little bit easy in this off season is pretty consistent with how they approach things in general. I say this as someone who calls the Rams preseason in which they do not play anyone setting that sort of precedent. Um, They are very conservative when it comes to injuries and uh, managing their players health. So um I think you could interpret it as being, you know, as a cause for concern, but I also think you could see, see it as the Rams kind of being the Rams and to tell the truth, we won't know until maybe not even at the beginning of the season, but halfway through the season, I will say, um, the Rams had a couple of injuries at running back with both the starting backs, Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson, uh, suffering soft tissue injuries in August, I believe. And so they didn't really have a full offseason program either. And again, It seems like one of those things where the Rams are being conservative. They said they're all full go for week one. But you got to think that um, with Matthew Stafford and the questions around his health, you do want that running game to lean on so that he doesn't have to throw the ball you know, a zillion times. And so that's another thing I'm curious to see how it plays out.
1: They have had incredible injury luck in Sean McVay's tenure. They have been in the top five, I think, of least injured teams pretty much every year he's been there. I really wish Kyle Shanahan would take a page out of his book because my God, what's in San Francisco? Anyway, I have described the Rams roster as a blow pop because it's really good up top with top tier talent. But the further down the roster you go, the more or I should say, the less depth there is. Is that fair?
4: Well, first of all, I like the inside of a, a blow pop. When you get to the gum, that's like the best part. <laughs> I don't know about that analogy. Um, but yeah, it's top heavy for sure. And I think some of the success they've had, obviously, last year, being most notable, um, has been that despite the fact that they haven't had draft picks at the top, they have had um, success with some of their later round picks, and they lean on those picks. You can go to last year's playoffs when you had guys like Nick Scott, who was a seventh round safety they drafted to play special teams, suddenly making plays, intercepting Tom Brady right in the wild card round. Um, Ernest Jones was a huge contributor for them. Third round, not all the way down, but he was a linebacker. You might remember they started using him more as a blitzer at the end. Uh, Jordan Fuller was a sixth round pick. So across the roster, because they it is so top heavy, and because it is. They have so many highly paid stars. They do really count on those guys to produce. And this year, Rob, they're going to count on them more than ever because Von Miller's gone opposite Leonard Floyd. You're looking at two very inexperienced young players to rush the passer. Darius Williams gone. You're looking at David Long Jr., who's still on his rookie contract. I think he was like a third-round draft pick out of Michigan to play corner. Um, At wide receiver, Van Jefferson's hurt. Suddenly you're going to be looking at like seventh round Ben Skoranek, just increasingly more and more because the cap is real. Uh, They need those types of players to contribute.
1: How sustainable do you think that is long-term? Or do you think they don't even care? They'll figure it out when they get there.
4: Well, it's worked so far. I I think, (laughs) but but, but part of the reason it's worked has not just been the all-in approach or the fact that they've been able to find solid players in the later rounds. It's that they have... two Hall of Famers on defense uh, and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, both of whom are force multipliers at their position. And, you know, as much as we could talk about, I love Greg Gaines, for example, who is their nose tackle out of UW fourth round. But again, when you play next to Aaron Donald, everything's a little bit different. Right. So I think um, they happen to just, you know, having those two players in particular on the defense, a couple of some of the stuff they've had on offense, you know, Cooper cup and whatnot um, makes such a difference that they don't need as much of their other players. They just need them to be at least above average.
1: That is a familiar refrain for the team I cover, the 49ers. And that's all I've heard when it comes to the quarterback situation. They don't need Trey Lance to be really good. He just has to be okay because the rest of the team is great, which is true. I'll just put it to you this way so I don't bias the question. Are the 49ers doing right by Trey Lance?
4: With the Jimmy Garoppolo decision or with the way the roster is built or what?
1: With the Jimmy Garoppolo decision.
4: Um, You know, this is tricky. When, when the n- news first broke that they were bringing Garoppolo back, and obviously that was a product of all the crazy circumstances, his injury, the way the offseason shook out with uh, the quarterback moves, taking away a lot of what would have been a lot of destinations for him, right? Because of the uh, unprecedented movement amongst veterans. um, You know, I, I, I thought for sure that he was gone despite all of that. And bring him back, like on its face, and like if in a vacuum, if you just take away the feelings and whatever, and you say, okay, you're a Super Bowl caliber roster. You have the opportunity to have the best backup quarterback in the NFL on a fairly reasonable deal that you can, by the way, trade at some point. You couldn't trade him now, which I, I certainly is a part of the reason they're bringing him back to kind of maintain that optionality, even with the no trade clause. All of that makes sense. However. For a team to trade multiple picks and go all in on a first round quarterback, have him sit the entire first year, and then the second year, keep the guy who he sat behind still in the building, that's not common. <laughs> it's pretty uncommon. And I think there's a human side to these things that matters a lot when we talk about, you know, football teams and locker rooms and personalities. People say, well, it's it's cool because Jimmy Grapple is a cool guy and everybody loves him yes everybody loves him so that, like that is actually i mean in some ways it's great because i'm sure he's really you know he's he's a good mentor or whatever and will handle it very maturely but i think you and i both know that if lance struggles the first few weeks mm-hmm. that it's the calls are going to be coming from inside the house and then i hear people say well <laughs> if he can't handle that then he shouldn't be a starting quarterback well that's not really fair like if you look around the league at rookie quarterbacks you have to give them time to develop you have to give them opportunity i think about new england where they um as soon as they knew that you know mac jones was started there they they parted ways with cam newton that wasn't cam newton would have been the best quarterback backup quarterback option but they parted ways with him because they wanted it to be mac jones's team so I, I think, they're, like I said, this is very, I'm sorry, monologue here. I think you can really make a football case for it. And I think it could end up working out for San Francisco. But it's almost like a little bit of like, I wouldn't say a dangerous game, but the line is thin here. And they're they're really, really counting on their ability to manage things in-house.
1: But that's what I, I don't understand. And I agree with you. That was my criticism from the beginning. I don't care what the media and stuff says, whatever. When they start to lose with Trey, there's going to be dudes in that locker room saying, why isn't Jimmy starting? Why are we messing around with this? And I asked Kyle Shanahan about that and he did not want to hear it. Basically. He said it, it, Trey Lance was just as big a threat to Jimmy Garoppolo last year as Garoppolo is to Lance this year. And I just don't buy that. Yeah. How could it be like, but Kyle Shanahan has grown up in the NFL. He has to know what he's stepping into, right? They're not oblivious. They have to know John Lynch was a hall of fame safety like, they, they clearly have to see it. They just don't
4: care, I, I'm assuming. And the reason I think it's so important for Lance to play through any adversity, um, let's say he had, like, we, I think your schedule's pretty soft at the beginning, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Well, you got to see you at Seattle, so. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, you know, the, the dude's barely played football. He's going to be a vastly different player at the end of the season from who he is at the beginning. And the 49ers roster is so good that even if he is uneven, you're going to probably win enough games to make it to the playoffs and the bet. And this was the bet that San Francisco made when they did the trade is when we get to that place, his variance, his upside is so much higher than what we've had at quarterback, but you've got to get to that place with him. And I think that's, I just worry like, um, will he be given a long enough leash to make those mistakes and grow for them? I think that's, that's my biggest question coming out of the Garoppolo decision.
1: They claim that he will. We'll see. In the meantime, we've got Mr. QB Wins backing him up. That's one of the things I love about you is that I felt like you were one of the few people on television who said QB Wins do not matter. Like, why are we not in a place in 2022 where we could say this team played really well and the quarterback didn't really have that much to do with it?
4: I don't know people really get their feelings about it i think it's just such a quarterback driven (laughs) sport and and the reality is like most great quarterbacks do win a lot of games that's not the point the point is we have so many so many superior ways to not only evaluate but quantify quarterback play that just because the great quarterbacks win a lot of games the great quarterbacks who win a lot of games also measure really high in the other metrics. The difference is there are bad quarterbacks who don't measure high in those metrics who do win games. And that's the difference. And I don't know why that's so complicated for people to understand.
1: Jimmy Garoppolo got to the NFC title game last year and didn't throw a touchdown in the playoffs until that game. Josh Allen, all he did was throw a touchdown in the playoffs and he didn't make the conference chip. Not as good.
4: Right, I, and I feel bad because I actually think Jimmy Garoppolo was a good quarterback last year. I I mm. feel like that got lost. Yeah, no, I I, I, th- I think he was he was fine. He certainly wasn't bad until the end, and the, but he was injured too. And I think that certainly merits. When
1: is he not injured?
4: Well, well, you know that you can definitely factor that into how you look at these quarterbacks. But um, you know, but like to say that he played well by any stretch of the imagination at the end is just not accurate.
1: Two more questions for you. First, what is the thing that, that we do as NFL fans that you find the most annoying? Is it the QB wins thing or is there something else?
4: Um, well, I wouldn't say this is fans. I, you still sometimes hear it during games, but you still hear if um, running back gets X carries, the team wins sometimes during broadcasts, which is pretty incredible.
1: You think for, you know, a team that scripts their plays, just to make the first 20 plays handoffs you and go. you'd be all set.
4: Well, if you're San Francisco, that might actually work.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's their goal going into the year. Believe me. Um, last question: What's something we do as NFL media that drives you nuts?
4: Gosh. I I'll speak for myself here. I think kind of overrate the last thing we saw a little bit. Um, to your point about Josh Allen, I he's my MVP pick. I got the Bills to the Super Bowl, but as I was thinking about, it, I was like. He had some struggles at the end of the last season, at points especially in the second half of last season. But the last time I saw him, he looked like, I call him Josh Allen super soldier. So that's fresh <laughs> in my mind. Or Kyler Murray on the uh, flip side looked mm. so awful in that last game that I think we've all forgotten he was really good most of last year and then he got hurt and stuff. So I think that recency bias is real and it's something that I know that I am guilty of a lot.
1: Fair. Yeah, I, I have to say I admit it too. But I, I can't help it sometimes. Like Josh Allen looked
4: freaking amazing
1: yeah. at the end of the year he really did scary he's unbelievable by the way you went josh allen mvp and super bowl champ that hasn't happened since kurt yeah. warner i think right
4: it's i feel like it's it's probably the chalk pick right i don't have it in front of me i know yeah. what the bills are i don't know if josh allen mvp is i assume it is it's gotta be close I don't I don't hate the idea of Mahomes MVP I'm guessing he's probably either second third or fourth in the odds I don't have them on me right now obviously but um I think I I think the Chiefs offense is going to be really good and I think he's going to get a lot more credit for it this year with uh Tyree so I could see the Chiefs losing to the Bills but Patrick Mahomes winning MVP
1: he sort of got the narrative in his favor because that's a huge, huge part of it. Now he lost Tyreek. So now we can, it's okay to like and give Patrick Mahomes credit again, which is a really weird place to be. But so nonetheless. Odd, yeah.
4: Well, there you go. Recency bias, right? We're like, oh, Patrick Mahomes, he played one bad half. So we're like, <laughs> is he really that great? Yeah.
1: Thank you so much for the time, Mina. We really appreciate it. Again, you can see her on ESPN, the Mina Kime show with Lenny now twice a week. Congratulations again. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Mina Kimes from ESPN. Really appreciate it. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into Bill's Rams, and then we'll also do a special little feature, which I have totally taken it upon myself to call the gauntlet, where we will look at some of the biggest gambles that NFL teams are taking this year.
0: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is
2: Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G-Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G-Pod wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Back here on the SB Nation NFL show. All right, guys, let's get into it. It's Bills, it's Rams. Justice, I don't know who the Rams ticked off at the NFL, but they got to open the year against Josh Allen and the Bills. I feel like that's a much tougher matchup than some previous Super Bowl champions have had in the past.
3: I was looking at power rankings yesterday just to see kind of like where the Packers rank. Every single power ranking has the Buffalo Bills at number 1. So yeah, when when you're saying, you know, this this is pretty tough, I don't know if it could be tougher. Like what on the road in, in Tampa, like maybe that's a little bit tougher, but outside of that there's not very many options um It'll be interesting to see what Buffalo looks like now that they have von Miller. I think that's what maybe could kick them up another notch this year but offensively, I think the big thing for them is just like how how well can they actually run the ball We all know that they can pass right we everyone's everyone who's in a fantasy draft knows like Gabriel Davis he's the guy everyone's highlighting as like a breakout this year right. Um, they just paid Daw- Dawson Knox a bunch of money uh, this morning. The real big thing is like the run game because they haven't really been committed to the run game. Day ball is out now. Maybe there's like a change in direction offensively where they're able to do more of that stuff. And maybe they're not in the gun as much. There's a lot of things to worry about in week one where you're like, I, I don't know what this team looks like. How do we end up beating him? What ends up working?
2: So the bills, if you're just going by everybody's, every analyst uh, season prediction their Super Bowl prediction the Bills are in there like they're the AFC the trendy AFC pick and it's not even trendy just because like we've talked about them before Um, they're probably the best team in the NFL so yeah Uh, Rams and speaking of things to worry about the Rams Matthew Stafford and his arm and that offensive line so we're talking about the Bills here they have no first round pick on the on the defensive line from last year, adding Vaughn Miller minus Andrew Whitworth on the other side of the ball. You would think the Bills are going to do any and everything to put pressure and to make Stafford prove that he is healthy.
1: That's a weird thing. And and I talked to Mina about this and she I felt like she kind of poo pooted it a little. But she does work as an analyst for the Rams in the preseason, not saying it totally biased her opinion, but I wasn't shocked that she went that route people keep saying like, oh, Stafford, you know, they'll be able to manage it. Like people are going to be crashing into his arm all year long. It'd be one thing if nobody could touch him, but like, it's this thing's got to hold up to 17 games plus playoffs of punishment.
2: I I feel like I would be worried if it were my team. I'll tell you that. Why should the expectation be, if it's a problem on September 7th, that it's going to get better after hits, after multiple hits, uh, weekly from 300-pound men. So let's say come midseason, um, the Rams probably aren't going to be struggling, but who's to say that Stafford's going to be 75 80%, and that has to factor in when you're, when you're talking about, you know, what they can, what kind of noise that they can make in the playoffs. I, I'd be worried. Didn't the Rams say that they, like, had to consult baseball people
3: because they're yeah. not used to an injury like this? Like, how do they know? If, if they have to consult baseball people for this, we probably haven't seen someone go through an NFL season like this, right? So I don't know how they can make that that firm, uh, I guess, just like the, the thought of being, yeah, he'll be fine just because, you know, we think that he'll be fine. Well, he'll be fine because baseball guys have been fine. Well, baseball guys aren't taking hits like NFL quarterbacks. I don't know. I just, I just want to see it personally because this and also, always makes me worried like the flacco stuff a couple years ago we saw this with Andrew Luck multiple times like whenever these guys start the season with injuries they never finish healthy it's not like they're going to get healthier during the stretch like this is as healthy as they're going to get
1: i don't know if you guys are big baseball fans i actually have never asked you about it now that i think of it but as a huge baseball fan myself when i hear a guy have elbow issues and it's a baseball type injury i think tommy john surgery now again i we have no idea if that's what it is with Matt Stafford, but elbow like they're calling it tendinitis. We know what tendinitis is. Football players have had tendinitis plenty of times. You wouldn't be saying we don't know what this is if it was just tendonitis, Right, Kyle?
2: Yeah. First of all, go Braves. Uh, reigning World Series champs are probably going to win it again. <laughs> oh, um, secondly, if it was tendonitis, and Justice, I'm pretty sure he brought this up in March or like right around free agency it still wouldn't be lingering right now. So I think it's a good point where we, we just don't know, like nobody knows what to expect. So to think again, that it's just going to magically go away or magically going to get better when it hasn't. And that was six months ago. Uh, that feels a little naive on the Rams part. Uh, one of their prize free agents, Alan Robinson, that's going to be all eyes on him, right? Everybody wants to see what can he do now that he has a capable quarterback? Because if you go down the list of quarterbacks that he's played with, not Great. And now he has Sean McVay calling his place. Now he does have Matthew Stafford. So I think – and he did um, – Sean McVay did this last year when with Odell Beckham. Like, he's going to show off his shiny new toy. Like, he wants you to know, hey, I was right about this guy. I imagine Allen Robinson is going to be a big focal point of this offense, especially on Thursday. So I want to see how the Bills defend him because no Trey White. Now, Kyrie uh, Kyrie Elam, first-round pick, who's very good and going to be very good. Not sure that this is the matchup that you want your first-round pick going into against a guy like Cup and Robinson.
3: The other thing I want to touch on, you guys mentioned the offensive line earlier, right? Uh, Losing Whitworth, which, by the way, Whitworth, he had that whole, like, on-field interview where he was like, yeah, maybe I'll, like, return with the Cowboys. You got to ask my wife. if. (laughs) <laughs> he was open to returning with the Cowboys. Why wouldn't he be open to returning with the Rams? Did the Rams just say, we don't want to pay you anymore? And then he was like, okay, I guess i will just retire. Because if that's the situation, like, they should have ponied up the money. They, they need a tackle like him. And um, they also lost uh, Logan Bruss, their third-round pick, who was, you know, people projected him in, like, the fifth and stuff like that. But he was a workout warrior at the Combine. They had a what was it like the area scout jumped in the pool after they made that selection. It was their first selection of the draft because they don't have <laughs> any draft picks. He's now out for the year, so it's not like like they had this, even some of these like contingency plans of like okay, this is how we're gonna like even out our offensive line are already starting to fall apart. So I do kind of wonder what they look like because I feel like it could get ugly. The one thing that helps them is they really were like a gun progression team last year, right? If they were still the under center. All we do is run outside zone and jet sweep and play action off of that, like what they were under Goff. Like, I'd be more worried about their offensive line. But thankfully for them, a lot of it is we're just three-step dropping the gun, ball out of your hand, Stafford can get it there. So as long as you can do that, I feel pretty good about the offense actually being able to move the ball down the field. Who knows about their running backs, right, At this point, at this point? I don't know if we're sold on any of them as of yet.
2: Yeah, I mean, kudos to Sean McVay for adjusting to what he does, right? Whether it's under center, whether it's empty, because that was a big thing uh, for Jared Goff. You mentioned contingency plan. When you look at this roster, there are no contingency plans on the Rams, and <laughs> I would like if they've escaped the injury bug, unlike any team under Sean McVay's history, uh, under Sean since he's been the head coach. Eventually, that is going to catch up to. You. I imagine. Obviously, we're already starting to see that kind of kind of play itself out, but. Man, when you look at the backups for any position, not just Andrew Worth, obviously now he's no longer here, and the quarterback goes without saying. But if you just go down the line on that roster and look up that, look at their backups. Where else would these guys be playing? Uh, your answer: there is not one. So, man, hopefully, obviously, you want these guys to stay healthy, but uh, their depth is just non-existent.
1: Yeah, the McVeigh injury luck is absurd. So he's been there for five years since twenty seventeen. And they have been top five in least amount of players injured in four out of the five years. And the one year they weren't, they were 10th in 2019. So it is unbelievable how much the Rams have been able to, basically they're gambling and they're paying off, right? They're betting on guys being able to stay healthy and turns out they do. And they have for basically half a decade as a Niner fan, that annoys me to no end.
2: Well, Probably – I don't know how much not playing in the preseason actually helps, but you have to imagine, and we've heard this, uh, that Kyle Shanahan's practices are very intense. I imagine McVay is just not pushing, uh, you know, pressing the needle in that sense. So uh, he he probably does a really good job protecting his players, but there is so much luck and fortune involved in here too. They're they're the
3: front of all the sports science stuff right now. All the player tracking, you get the little chip in your pad running around, and then they're just randomly on a Wednesday, they're like, oh, you're not practicing today because uh, your workload at your size and your age, we, we just want to hold you out of a practice. And I'm sure the players are like, this is weird. But then you have guys who are like Andrew Whitworth who are playing into their late 30s as a right. left tackle. And it's like, this dude extended my career for an extra couple of years. Right. So you see that in Green Bay a lot, too. Lafleur seems to have brought that. And he has a you know Mercedes Lewis still out there playing tight end and stuff. And it's like, how is this even working? How, how, how are some of these guys still around?
1: It's working, man. Lafleur's won more games in his first three years than any coach in the history of the NFL. So maybe more teams should be copying that model. Uh, let's get into some some score predictions for you Thursday night, first game of the year. Everybody's going to be pumped up. I hate 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 betting the first game of the year, week one, like because I feel like I don't know anything about any of the teams. So I'm just you know I'm bad enough at betting when I think I actually have information. So week one, I usually refrain. But if you are so interested, as I stall to get the spread, Bills are favored by two points in the game. Kyle, what do you like?
2: Yeah, the Bills are going to win. I, I feel pretty good about that. And I think there's going to be a lot of points. Obviously, we are talking about McVay showing out his new toy in um, Allen Robinson. I mean, it's still a Cooper Cup. And no matter – we talked – just talked about the running backs – I imagine they're going to find ways to get them the ball. And it might not be or it's certainly not going to be the same way they win the Super Bowl, where it's just, you know, right in the middle, inside zone here, inside zone there. Like I he had six months to create an offensive game plan for this. He knows all eyes are going to be on him against this Super Bowl predicting bills. So I think there are gonna be a lot of points. I imagine it's going to look something like something crazy like uh 34-31 or some insane score where it's probably gonna be sloppy, and I think you know, by turnovers and whatever type of mistakes are happening. But I think this is going to be the Josh Allen show too at the same time, man. I think, yeah. Um, just for, every, for all the same reasons I said about McVay, like Allen's going to come and show out. So I, I, am going to go 34, 31 bills.
3: I'm going to go 27, 20. I just still worry about that offensive line with the Rams is that bills. Bills, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I still worry about that offensive line with the Rams. I still, I want to see it with Matthew Stafford with my own eyes. Um, I do think, I mean, I guess I'm predicting a lower score than KP. Um, I, I think both of these defenses are pretty solid. I, I think the only reason the points go up that high is because of the quarterbacks under center. Right. Um, I am excited to see Gabriel Davis, though, right? Is, is there anyone that anyone's watching? I mean, I guess Gabriel I Davis and Allen Robinson. Like, everyone's going to be watching those two, and they're like, is it legit? Is this production going to be legit?
1: Well, I mean, I know he had a great playoff game, but, like, if he didn't have that game, would we be talking as much about Gabriel Davis as we are? Because I I do feel like he is definitely being hyped up more, you know, probably like top three among receivers this year.
2: Well, them not bringing back Cole Beasley didn't make, you know, didn't hurt that one bit. Yep. So, um, again, he's playing with Josh Allen. That that has a big reason to do with this. Yeah. Somebody opposite of Steph Diggs, who, by the way, I think the world of and I think is going to have plenty of yards and probably going to score in this game, too. So. When you when you just think of the names on both sides of the offense, there will be points here. There's no doubt.
1: That's a good point. And by the way, you just reminded me next week's guest on the SB Nation NFL show will be Stefan Diggs of the Buffalo Bills. So hopefully the Bills win. I'll take um, 30 to 28, let's say, because I'm never going to pick the Rams to win a single game this year because I hate them (laughs) with a white hot passion of a thousand burning suns. All right, guys, let's get into this new game that I have just decided to create. I'm calling it The Gauntlet. Open to new names. If you uh, got a new name, leave us a rating and review. Drop it in your review. Maybe we will consider it. I'm going to come up with a theme every week, and I'm going to ask five questions related to that theme. And you guys are going to debate which question is the bigger is correct, so to speak, based on the theme. And then whatever question it advances, I will compare it to another question and we will just run through my list of five until we get ultimately to the biggest, most important question of the week. I know it doesn't make a lot of sense. Just stick with me. Not one. I promise you we'll get through it. By the way, all ties will be decided by Steven Surtis. So not me. I'm taking myself <laughs> out of it. And away we go. Let's start. The theme for this week is biggest gambles of the year. Let's start with some wide receivers. Which is a bigger gamble, Justice? I'll give you first crack. The Packers trading Devontae Adams and going with their wide receiver core. Or the Chiefs trading Tyreek Hill and going with their wide receiver core.
3: I guess I'm going to go Chiefs just because it seemed like the Devontae Adams thing wasn't, you know, a choice by the Packers. Like, Devontae, they were willing to give Devontae... (laughs) a bigger contract than he got with the Raiders. And he was like, no, still trade me. I would also say that the Chiefs also kind of invested in like, I guess like mid-level veterans more than the Packers did. I know the Packers signed Sammy Watkins and stuff, but they also took multiple swings at young guys. They signed, you know, or they drafted three rookies, right? In the draft, um, traded up for one of them high in the second round. Whereas, you know, the Chiefs ended up signing Juju and MVS and guys like that. I know, they signed, I know they drafted Scott Moore, but
2: that's just kind of my line of thought. The answer is t- um, letting go of Tyreek Hill. Um, no, no, no. I'm, I'm going the opposite. I'm not going to pick with Justice Pitt. That's, that's not fun. Um, <laughs> the answer is the Packers. So, And my line of thinking is in the playoffs, obviously, what we saw with D'Amico Ryan did. He's going to put everybody and shade him towards Devontae Adams and make the Packers go and make Aaron Rodgers go somewhere else. They weren't able to do that. And I'm not saying like that's the main lone reason that they lost. But in high leverage situations, in big time games, who is Rogers going to be able to rely on? And on the other, on the other uh, line of thinking, it's Patrick Mahomes. And he's going to – like you can only take away so much. And if anything, I think the field is going to open up a little bit for them, whereas uh, they would put Tyreek here. Let's say he was number three in the slot. Everybody knew he was going to run a specific route, right? He was probably going to run an over route across the field. I think now it's going to be more difficult for teams to key on the Chiefs' offense because you don't, you can't clue in on one guy, and that will make them. I'm not gonna say like more potent or better, but I don't really think they're gonna miss a beat. Whereas I think the Packers, come time, like come playoff time, like we're, that's when we'll really see the effects of uh, missing Devontae Adams. Like he's gonna, they're gonna have regular season success. There's no doubt about that.
1: All right, so we got our first tie. Let's go to Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride to break the tie. Steven, who is making the bigger gamble this year, the Chiefs or the Packers? I am going
3: to select the Packers, and it has to do with that wide receiver core. I understand what you're saying about Tyreek Hill, but Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, Romeo Dobbs, who for some reason is like third in the odds to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Christian Watson, who hasn't gotten on the field all offseason. I feel a lot more comfortable with the Chiefs, MBS, Juju Smith-Schuster, Sky Moore, Nicole Hardman, those guys, than the group of wide receivers that the Packers have right now.
1: There we go. Thank you very much. So the Packers win, they advance. Now, Kyle, I'm going to start with you. What's the bigger gamble? The Packers trading Devontae and going with their wide receiver core or the New Orleans Saints sticking with Jameis Winston, coming off an ACL, and no Sean Payton? What's the bigger risk?
2: The bigger gamble, yeah. Bringing back Jameis was a no-brainer, in my opinion. Maybe you're asking the wrong person, but <laughs> in my, to me, who were the Saints going to find this offseason that was a better option than Jameis? And for what they want to do, I think they, they – Chris Olave is going to be a perfect complement for him. You also have Jarvis Landry, who's a good underneath. So you have three options with Michael Thomas, uh, J- uh, Jarvis Landry, and Chris Olave. And, of course, Alvin Kamara is going to have even more space to operate underneath. In my opinion, Jameis makes his team a playoff contender. And um, as you heard of a prediction earlier today, I think that the Saints are going to go a lot further than people assume. So I don't really think there was any risk at all um, in that sense for the Saints. I
3: have to agree with KP here. I mean, you just look at wow. the – you have to look at the other options that were out there at quarterback. Like, who would they gotten? Jimmy G, Baker Mar- Mayfield. Was
2: Mariota going to be an upgrade over Jameis?
3: I probably would have just rolled with Jameis in that situation. Like, the, Carmichael is still there, right? The offensive coordinator. Yes, so Carmichael is like still there. So it's not like there's a huge jump in terms of la- – last time we saw Jameis, he was playing pretty well uh, early on last season. Um, you look at the draft, like – I don't know where you're going to draft Kenny Pickett. Like everyone seems to be down on Kenny Pickett now. And he was the only guy drafted in the first two rounds anyway. Right. So I don't know. You look at the options out there and it's like, yeah, James probably is a starting quarterback. He's probably somewhere in that like 16 to 25 overall quarterback at some point. So you're Damn, one of the 16, 25 teams.
1: <laughs> I thought that was a good one. I, I guess I'll go die. Uh, all right, so <laughs> <laughs> Packers continue to move on here what is the bigger gamble the Packers and their wide receiving core or the Patriots losing Josh McDaniels and going with a combination of Matt Patricia justice and Joe judge for
3: offensive coordinator. I'm going with Matt Patricia and Joe judge. This seems like a dumpster fire waiting to happen. (laughs) Like as soon as, as soon as uh, you know, the off season stuff started and it was like, yeah, Matt Patricia is calling the 11 on 11 stuff. And Joe judge is calling the seven on seven stuff. And it's like, Okay, one last time, like, has Joe Judge actually been any good of a coach outside of his special team stuff? And even then, he wasn't a good special teams guy with the New York Giants. Matt Patricia's legitimately never been on the offensive side of the ball. He's always been a defensive guy. Like, we just think these guys can move around. And they're running this whole, you know, this whole uh, Rams type of style offense. They're trying to do, like, Shanahan stuff. But instead of grabbing a Shanahan guy, they're just like, yeah, we'll have our guys run the Shanahan plays. I don't. I'm not sold on this at all. Everyone who's been down there at Patriots practices, the whole beat is just like, yep, five incompletions, two interceptions, three three uh, knockdown balls, and two sacks today. And it's like every like, day. Yeah, every day. And it's like, dude, this is terrible. Plus, they already lost, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Tyquan, um the mm-hmm. Lord receiver out of, uh, yeah, Taequann Ty- Thornton, the receiver out of Baylor, the second-round pick, who's a speedster. I don't know, man. This seems like bad vibes. Bad vibes.
2: Yeah, it has to be the Pats here, just for a lot of the reasons that he said. So, what good was going to happen from this? They have a first round quarterback in Mac Jones. And if they wanted to, you know, do this whole Shanahan offense type, there are guys up and down the league to bring that, to bring somebody like that in. Bring somebody in. And that's not what happened. (laughs) And obviously, we're seeing the fruits of that play out very early. So, Bill's just like, I don't want to meet new coaches, dude. I'm too old to meet. You the don't want new ideas. Point. Yeah, that's essentially what you're telling his us. Like
3: his old you know. hires, uh,
2: and then his like children. That's it. His, <laughs> right. His spawn. It's all his uh, spawn. Steve's Steve's son's probably the new offensive coordinator coming next. I don't. I don't know, man. I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know why they thought it would work. Sure, it could turn around, but I think there's a the likelihood of the Pats winning six game. Six games is. Like that's going to happen far more likely than them winning double digit games, and there's going to be a lot of pressure on Mac Jones. And and not to say like it's all his fault, but like what what do we know when you think of Joe Judge? When you think of Matt Patricia, usually good things don't come to your mind first when those when that's the case. And uh, that was fans easy. and Giants fans like the players even were like <laughs> openly cheering on Twitter when those coaches got fired. So. And not like hiding it, hiding it either. Like they were, they are in the replies telling you, "Hey, this guy did this. This guy did this." We're We're talking talking starters. We're not talking about like bitter backups. Like the starters were like,
3: "Man, we are so happy he is out of here."
1: When Matt Patricia told a reporter to sit up straight before a press conference, I was like, "I'm." So out on this guy,
2: win a game. That's what I would have
1: said. <laughs> just like, uh, Brian Kelly with LSU.
3: I was about to say, I was like, we got one at the college level now. Brian That's... Kelly said that, uh, some reporters showed up late. They said, like How about win a game?
1: Like, <laughs> 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 win a game, it will show up on time. Fantastic response, by the way. I saw this, I don't can't remember where I saw it, but uh, you know, the Patriots haven't named an offensive coordinator, and part of the reason could be because if they don't name Matt Patricia offensive coordinator. The Lions are the ones that are paying him and not the Patriots. Apparently, if he's just like a position coach, then the New England doesn't have to pay him, which is so like saving six
2: figures, huh? The (laughs) craft, man. Let's hold a big sale for the craft.
1: Wow.
3: weren't the Um, Patriots like one of the three highest valued franchises. I'm pretty sure it's like them, the Cowboys and then like Washington or something. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, again, I don't know if that's true. I just – I happened to see that, and I was like trying to come up with a reason why you wouldn't just name an offensive coordinator, and that would be – that would be one.
2: The strangest part about the Patriots is they just saw what the Dolphins went through on offense with co-offensive coordinators last year. Like, it does not work. So why? Why do that again?
1: I think it's fair to question. Like some people are like, "Well, it's Bill Belichick. You can't question Bill Belichick." Well, yeah, I think you can. Like, this is weird, and I think he has, it's okay he to say. playoffs
3: since Brady left, right?
1: No, he yeah. made the didn't they make the playoffs last year? Did he? Did they play?
3: Oh, they played the Titans, right?
1: I thought was he snuck it, it was utterly unmemorable. Obviously, <laughs> since none of us remember it. Uh, okay, so then last one, bigger gamble: the Patriots going with Judge and Patricia or. San Francisco 49ers going with Trey Lance. Justice. It's judging
3: Patricia. They had to They had to make the uh, move for Trey Lance. You traded three first-round picks for the guy. You're going to have to play him at some point. You can't hide him forever. So I think it's yeah. judging Patricia.
2: Yeah, there's no gamble here for the 49ers. Um, we, we've seen what this team is when Jimmy's on, under center. And for whatever reason, you know, we're getting a lot of they're going to bench Jimmy or they're going to bench Trey for Jimmy. Uh, from some of the national media this this year. And that's, it seems like, just clicks at this point. Uh, they start four and two. Nobody will remember these. And those same analysis will not be held accountable. So it feels like we go through the same thing over and over and over. Um, people are talking about, well, he led he led a comeback against the Bengals. Nope, he threw the ball to Jesse Bates in the chest and he dropped it. And the 49ers were able to win that game. Like, those are the plays you don't remember. So um, it 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 would be the bigger risk would be to roll with Jimmy again. So I think, yeah, it's for sure the Patriots um, enjoy a 6-7 to seven win team.
1: Wow. I, I got to lie. I tried to put Trey Lance at the end. I thought that was going to be the runaway winner. I thought the Jameis thing was going to be a much bigger discussion. Apparently, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about on the show. <laughs> by the way, shame on us. The Patriots did make the playoffs. They were utterly annihilated by the perfect game pitched by Josh Allen.
2: Oh, that's right. They got oh, stumped. yeah. What was that, like – they put up a 50 burger, right?
1: It was. I don't have the score in front of me, but it was damn close. I mean, the, the Bills scored, I think, on like six possess, six right. straight possessions,
2: right? Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, there's a reason I
3: blocked that out of my memory. 47 <laughs> really to my 14.
2: They scored twice in three of the four quarters. Holy cow.
1: Yeah, that's an embar- That's a Belichick embarrassment. Like, that does not happen to him. You can say whatever you want about him, but like even when he loses, he doesn't get beat like that. That was Josh Allen on a mission,
2: and at, his answer uh, to that was to bring back Joe Judge and Matt uh, Patricia.
1: Yeah, that's that's not going to be a good look. This is going to be another year. I feel like for the narrative of see, Brady was more responsible for all their success because Brady's probably going to make
2: the playoffs. I mean, again. are they wrong? He's not doing himself any right? favors. <laughs> I will
3: be the one drumming
2: to the beat of that right. song. Like, oh, it, see, I will, I, I will. something. That's why Brady I, keeps coming back just to remind us. Just wait until he's playing with the Dolphins next year, beating Belichick twice.
1: You don't think that matters to Brady, though? I think it does.
3: 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. He's a psycho. He's playing football at, like, 48 years old. Of course that matters (laughs) to him.
1: That's going to do it for this edition of the SB Nation NFL Show. Again, please rate, review, and follow. We promise if you take the time to leave a review, we will take the time to read it. Enjoy the football tomorrow. We have made it through the dreck of the offseason we have real football get your fantasy lineups in and the SB Nation NFL show will be back on Friday with myself Brandon Lee Gowden and RJ Ochoa KP Justice thank you very much let's enjoy the game